Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast Workday Charity Open DFS Preview. Those are words I've never said before. We're going to break it all down. And joining me as he always does to help me, it's Greg Ducharme. Hey, Greg. Man, uh, the the PGA Tour continues to roll on. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled. We got back-to-back weeks at Muirfield Village. This does not happen on the PGA tour. So these next two weeks are going to be interesting. I'm excited to get going. The ramifications for betting for fantasy, I think are even more intriguing because what happens this week, I feel like is going to dictate a lot of the ownership and a lot of the things that people are going to think about next week. Right. It's kind of logical to be like, Oh, yeah. well, John Rom played poorly this week. He's going to play poorly next week, right? Like there's going to be a lot of group think. There's going to be a lot of like interesting situations we're going to have to deal with that we never have to deal with. Well, it's hard not to take the leaderboard from, from the workday and just copy and paste it into what you expect the leaderboard to be for, for the memorial. So it's like, how, how are you going to diff? It, it's a real challenge because you know, it's not going to be exactly the same. There's going to be a couple players who play well both weeks and you're going to say, duh, well, duh, of course they did. But then you're going to get some of these dark horses that pop up this week and then next week they, they don't. And it is going to be fascinating to watch. I'm really excited. I, by the way, I don't know if you ever feel this, but I found myself last night dreaming about who I'm going to pick. Oh. Who, who, am I, <laughs> who am I going to go with for a work day memorial? What's going to happen? Who, who am I going to? It's been a little crazy uh, since the comeback, but happy to be back. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm very interested to hear uh, who you've been dreaming about. But don't <laughs> don't forget, uh, we're on YouTube. Hi, hi YouTube. Uh, it's the First Cut Pod. Go subscribe. We've been tweeting out the links. You can watch us. You can see uh, some of the sweet swag and gear we're wearing. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at First Cut Pod. Greg. Workday charity open just to reset here. This is the week that was supposed to be John Deere classic. It was canceled. The tour said, all right, well, we're going to fill it with something. What's the easiest kind of thing to do here? Well, we'll just, we're going to be at Muirfield village for two straight weeks. This week is going to be a little bit different, right? Because the Memorial is an invitational. It'll be a smaller field this week. You're getting like the full, full field, like the big boy field, uh, 156 players, top 65, and ties making the cut. So, like, let's let's just start there. This is the full field event. The full field event, and he, he, they did uh, increase the size of the invitational, but not. It, it typically invitationals are 120. They upped it to 144, I believe. So it's still smaller than this week's field. Uh, full field. Some of the guys like Bryson, you're not seeing. Bryson's not playing this week. Rory's not playing this week. 
a um, couple of other big names are, are uh, DJ's not playing he is another one, but there are still plenty of big names in the field. So this is going to be, uh, it, it'll be a really interesting watch. I know Mark's all over who's going to be, uh, or how the golf course is going to change over time. I know weather's probably going to be a factor week over week. So there's a, a lot to keep your eye on. And are you, are you looking at this at all? Like a, kind of like a two week tournament for some guys, or do you think these are, are very, two kind of distinct separate tournaments. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> so I, yeah. I think that you have to be, I think that you have to take something from the first week into the second week. What that is yet, I'm not really sure, but I, I, I would be lying if I said, I did not think that playing, playing this course for four days or for a week before you ha- get to play it again is an advantage, right? Like that's why guys do practice rounds. That's why they go out and they walk off the course and their caddies are out there. Like obviously being on the course before you get to play it again is advantageous. I think we agree with that. Now, my big concern, Greg, and this is, I think kind of what you were alluding to about Mark is like, how different could this actually play? Because it might actually be a disadvantage if you play one week and it is completely different the next week and you can't get week one out of your brain. I don't think it's going to be extremely different unless weather changes, right? Yes. It's really firm the first week and then on Monday and Tuesday, it, it rains like crazy and Memorials plays really soft. The, the rough, they may grow in a little bit. Are they going to grow it for two straight weeks? Probably not. So I don't think that's going to be a huge difference. On those greens, hole locations can mean a lot. They they really can play a, a really big role. It's kind of it, the design of the golf course. We had Jack on course record actually um, yesterday, and he was talking about um, on Monday, and he was talking about the golf course and kind of where some of these influences came from. And it's what he calls a second shot golf course, uh, meaning it's generous off the tee, and then it gets tighter as you get to the uh, into the greens, it becomes a little more demanding as you get into the greens. And that usually means the slope in the greens and the protections of the greens are, uh, are challenging. And that always means hole locations are extremely important factor here. So that would be the biggest setup difference. I think you could expect to see aside from major differences in weather. I would think so too. I, I don't think they could even, if they wanted to drastically, change this right i mean i guess they could get them rolling a little bit faster but you're right i think it's just going to be pin position i mean these are small greens five five thousand square feet on average just to put that into perspective it's essentially some of the smallest on tour outside of pebble outside of harbor town when you're in the five thousand square foot range that's like that's very small so no average is like 6600 yeah so no surprise to hear even jack i like that you said oh we had jack on like my, my pal, Jack, we had Jack on, um, <laughs> but should, Mr. Nicholas, I, 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 no, I, I just, Nicholas. I it just caught me off guard. I was like, Jack, who, Oh my God, he's talking about Jack Nicholas. That's what I, that's what I missed. Um, it was, it was, spe- it was really special. Really that's really cool. cool. That's really cool. Um, so I understand why he is saying this is a second shot course, especially when you just look at the size of the greens. Yeah. And, and that is kind of an influence that comes from Augusta national another place, uh, Mr. Nicholas loved and, and it had a major impact on his design. And that's basically where it comes from. You, it's generous off the tee. There's a lot of downhill tee shots. And then you hit into these greens where you have tucked toll locations. I mean, think back to all these tiger moments that we've had where he's long of a green. He's got a really short shot from the rough, but, uh, it, and, and he has, 
he's basically short-sighted, but the flag is in this kind of tucked little area where there's water on the other side. And it, there, there's just not a lot of room in some of these areas. So you have to be very precise coming into greens. Um, and that that's going to ask for you to hit the ball into the fairway, even though it's generous, you have to get the ball into the fairway. Uh, and you also have to get it out there a good weight because this is not only is this the uh, full field event, Rick, but it's really our first event on a, a big ballpark. It's a 7,400 yard golf course. It's par yeah. 72. It's a big golf course. And we've been playing a lot of, you know, less than driver type golf courses. And this is kind of our first taste at a classic. I don't know if you'd call it a bombers golf course, but a, a golf course where you're going to hit a lot of driver. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you like what you hear, tell a friend, if you have any questions about DFS betting, anything you'd like, go drop a Apple podcast review with your question. We will go through them. Uh, that's our currency. So that's what we, that's what we ask for. It goes a long way to get a nice rating and review and uh, we'll pay it forward by answering anything you drop in there for this week. Uh, we are going to talk a lot about tournament history, Greg. We're going to reference finishes from previous years. We are obviously talking about the Memorial. Uh, you don't have to tweet us and let us and say, oh, the Workday Charity Open, it's never existed before. How can they have tournament? We're talking about the Memorial. That's what we're going to go with. So when we reference Patrick Cantlay's win last year, that's what we're talking about. My, that's right. right. My friends? It's uh, really, it's course <laughs> history more so than, uh, it, it, course history more than tournament history is yes. how you may differentiate. All right, perfect. Let's jump into this. The $10,000 range on DraftKings is led by Justin Thomas at 11,100, John Rahm 109, Patrick Cantlay, the defending Memorial champion, 10,600, Brooks Kepka 10,004, Xander 102, Hideki Matsuyama at 10,000. I'd be lying to you Greg if I didn't tell you I had questions about kind of a lot of these guys. Like this is this is a mixed bag for me. It's, it's a very interesting group, uh, and there's obviously a lot to like about these guys. That's why they're priced where they are. There's a lot to like. So this we're, <laughs> we're in no way bashing these players, but Justin Thomas has shown some question marks. And for the guy that's the highest-rated player in the field, you don't want to have uh, – um, we, we talk about win equity all the time. No doubt Justin Thomas has just about as much win equity as anybody on the PGA Tour. But yeah. where's that miscut? equity, I guess, is that where's the miscut risk and his miscut risk factor seems to be a little bit high right now. And it doesn't make me feel great when I got to go spend more on him than anybody else. And I'm not sure he's going to make the cut. If Rory's up in these positions, you're, you're extremely confident. He's going to at least make the cut. Uh, uh, the floor for Rory seems to be tied you know, 18th, that seems to be the worst he can do. Justin Thomas seems to have a miscut in there. So is that going to happen this week? I don't think so. It seems to be a golf course you like, but you just don't know. John Rahm, we don't know where his game is right now. We haven't seen the John Rahm we saw before the layoff where he was finishing inside the top 10 every single week. So major questions there. You know, the questions about Brooks Kepka. we you know, he's kind of in this price range because of his success in major championships. But um, now in a regular PGA Tour event, where does he stand? Again, another question mark. Um, to me, Patrick Cantlay is the guy I'm looking at saying yeah. he's the... Do you think he's going to be extremely popular this week because of that? I do, because 
so he comes in with, I think, what, what are the least amount of question marks, right? So we've, we we yeah. haven't seen him play much, but when he's played, he's played he's played great. 11th at the Travelers is his only start since we've come back. Knowing that he not only won at the at Muirfield Village last year, but also the year before he finished fourth, like back to back top fives, and there's this weird thing when when people build lineups, um, it it feels better to like be like, oh, okay, well I'm not spending as much as I can, I'm not spending eleven one, but I'm not going down to like ninety seven, like I'm getting like it's what's it the Goldilocks effect, like it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's just right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great point. It's right in the middle. It's like okay, I, well if I start at ten six, I'm gonna get you know five hundred dollars in value somewhere else in my lineup. Now I don't have to go down to the mid six thousand range. I can stay near the high six thousand range, maybe even stay uh, above the six thousand range entirely. So it definitely it feels like it's going to give you more options going forward. Um, but Rick, to me, his game just suits the golf course perfectly. We talk about a second shot golf course. He's uh, what is he fit? Um, he's fourth or fifth in strokes gain approach the green. He's fifth. He's third in greens of regulation, which is just spectacular. So um, you know he's third in birdie average, tenth in scoring average. The guy's a stud. Uh, all around through and through and it makes you feel really good i i wonder the why is he only played once in the in the restart so oh man don't quote me on this but i thought that his caddy or someone in his camp said that he um he was dealing with a little 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 tweak in the back uh at the early parts of the restart he's good now he was feeling good but just wasn't like entirely ready to come back right at colonial or whatever so a little bit of help there he looked great at, at travelers. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. So I, I run this, you know, I run this model every week to find out what the most important stats at every course are. And we have a ton of history at Muirfield village. So I've got like a dozen years of history at Muirfield village strokes gained approach, which is Cantlay's, you know, his claim to fame. That's his, that's his big boy stat. Um, only seven other courses on the PGA tour. Is it more important? than here at Muirfield Village. This is yeah. a second shot course. I mean, you talk about places like Harbor Town, you talk about um all these small green second shot courses, Cantley should be a perfect fit for. Yeah. So he's definitely the guy that I'm leaning towards in that group. Um but you know Hideki's another guy excellent with the second shots. He had a good week last week. What do you make of of Hideki? You Hideki is um perfectly consistent at being inconsistent which is like, you know what you're going to get from him. He's going to be absolutely terrible with the putter as he always is, but he's capable of going out and shooting the round of the day, multiple days of the event. I mean, we saw what he shoot. I think it was Saturday at um, rocket mortgage shoots a 65. I think it was seven under looked like he was a world beater. Like that's what you're going to get. And then you're going to get around where he, you know, has like three three putts and he goes one over and just kind of plays you out of the thing so it's it's tough like i i like it because i i know what i'm getting but it's a very volatile situation i was really high on hideki coming into this week um he's 10 under and four of six appearances at at the memorial so at Muirfield village so he's played really well there he was six last year tied 13th in 2018 he won in 2014 he's got like kind of all the makings for uh, a successful tournament here. Um, But at $10,000, I feel like that is just kind of a little high. I don't know if I'm going to go. Is he going to be the anchor, a guy who uh, I know can't putt? Is he? So that's kind of hard for me. It's almost like this is the range where you're trying to pick the winner 
And I'm not sure that uh, I can confidently say Hideki Matsuyama is in that category. He's, he's hard to trust, hard to watch. He's, if you, if you roster him, you just close your eyes and see what happens on Sunday. Don't, right. don't watch any of his shots. Um, <laughs> I have two interesting notes about two guys here before we move on. John Rahm, so he's 10,900, and I'd be lying if I said I didn't have some concerns about him. Um, he just, frankly, hasn't been good since the restart. Missed the cut at Colonial, 33rd at RBC, 37th at Travelers. What I'm more concerned about, Greg, is how he's done it. So at Colonial, he lost four strokes putting. Harbortown, he lost around the green. And then at the Travelers, he lost a ton on approach. And I'm like, oh, man, like if it was one thing that he had to fix, I'd feel a lot better about it. I don't like to see my studs have a different issue every week. Yeah, I understand what you're saying there. Um, I do. But sometimes it could be just kind of a fluke, a, a rust. Sure. Like that to me is a sign of rust. Which is interesting because I'd been all the reports were saying John Rahm is playing great in the layoff. So you don't really know what happened, but I trust John Rahm. I trust his team. I know he's going to come around and start playing well at some point. Maybe he just needs a, a big golf course where he can kind of open it up and let it fly. And maybe, maybe that's just what he needs. So uh, there are definite question marks about him. Um, but if you wanted to take a risk on John Rahm, it's hard for me to say it's a bad idea. I have one positive in regards to Brooks Kepka, who's 10,400, and um, his putter has been unbelievable. So since the restart, all eight rounds he's played, he's gained strokes putting. And if you go back to even the first round, and you can do this either way, his last eight or nine rounds, either the first round of the players, he gained there as well. So he has not gained strokes in eight consecutive rounds since the 2018 stretch in which he won the U.S. Open in the middle of. So, like, wow. that's, like, the key, like, we know the, what the rest of his game can be. If he starts figuring out the flat stick, watch out. Yeah, I, I, he doesn't strike me as, like, one of the best iron players in the world. I know he was at Bethpage last year in the PGA, and in majors he tends to be great with the irons, but it's not like Patrick Cantlay. It's like, what's the weapon for Brooks Kepka? You don't jump to iron play. No, um, but that being said, he seems motivated. He seems driven this year since the restart. And that's huge for me. I, I know Brooks Kepke can figure it out as long as he has the, the drive and the motivation to compete in this event. And I think he's going to take this event very seriously. Another factor, his brother got in chase and there's maybe a big brother thing going on there that just adds a little bit of motivation. And if Brooks can, if he has one thing to hang on to, I want to beat my brother. I want to show these guys what I can do. Who knows what it is. If he has that in his own head, he's very dangerous. So I think Brooks is a very interesting play. Again, it's just to see, is he your anchor? I mean, I guess you have to be able to trust Brooks Kepka as an anchor. So I think he'd be a great play this week. $9,000 range. And as we've seen through the first four weeks, this this range is getting smaller every week, Greg. I feel like we started with eight guys, then we are at six. There's four guys. There's four guys yeah. here. Uh, Justin Rose, 97. Victor Hovland, 95. Colin Morikawa, 92. Ricky Fowler, flat nine. I don't know what the incentive here is for DraftKings to almost remove this tier in its entirety. I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're getting at. I don't know if it's to try to make people make a stand on one of the top players or... 
or maybe start lower and then go with a balance but i don't know but we are it is very clear this this tier is disappearing <laughs> i i don't understand the strategy behind it is there i i don't know i don't know where to i don't know where to go maybe it's just the way players are playing during the week could it be could this be something that changes once we get a little more history, a little more knowledge? I, I don't, I, I maybe that's I, the one thing, like we don't have enough to go on yet. Yeah. And I think maybe when we get to like the majors where the, the price, the pricing always gets a little bit softer, you're going to see a lot more guys in this range because people want to be able to make lineups with six guys that they know and love. So pricing gets a lot softer, but uh, I mean, we, there's only four guys here. Is there, is there one in particular that you're most interested in? Well, I'll say that I, I like all four of them. Honestly, I, I don't have, it's hard for me to, like we always try to pick a fade in each group and it's hard for me to pick a fade. I feel much better about Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Um, Hovland and Morikawa, just to kind of go through them, Hovland and Morikawa are the, as consistent as it gets. I mean, Morikawa missed the cut at the Travelers and then took a week off and it feels like, okay, Got that out of the way. Now we're back to letting our talent show through. So I have a ton of confidence in Morikawa, and Hovland has been on a roll. Tita Green, I know you love Hovland too, and this week makes a ton of sense. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of all these guys. Justin Rose, after the miscut at the Travelers, a week off, kind of a similar situation to Morikawa. Shake off whatever happened that week and get back to a place where you've won uh, if you're Justin Rose. So all these guys as are interesting to me the biggest question mark is ricky fowler was ricky fowler's play last week uh is that a sign that he's kind of figuring things out was that just one great tournament that he played he did play well i think he got to 14 under par which was um some some pretty solid play over the weekend for him so i feel optimistic about ricky another place where he has a, a pretty nice course history even though there were three years in a row where he missed the cut and i have um i have a fowler file here yeah, so he was um, tied second in 2017, tied eighth in 18, tied 14th in 19. But 14, 15, 16, he missed three straight cuts. Second in 2010. So it's kind of been like a little bit of a roller coaster for him here. What do you think of Ricky Fowler this week? I think in general, I'm much more optimistic than I was a week ago. Uh, yeah. Was able to catch a lot of his shots. He was in a lot of the coverage, obviously, because of uh, the relationship with Rocket Mortgage and just the way his, t his tee times came off. But uh, I I'm a lot more optimistic. I mean, we we knew it's it's all about reps. It's all about reps when you're going through a swing change. I'm also kind of in agree in agreement with you that like I could play any four of these guys. Like I'm cool with this. Like there, there's really no one in here I want to fade. I will say a, a couple of quick notes. Uh, Justin Rose has been a completely different player from Tita Green since we've restarted. Um, and then you look at some of the history that he has at Muirfield Village, and it's it's elite stuff. I mean, 13th at the Memorial last year, sixth two years ago. Then he finished second in 2015. So that's all good signs. But I will tell you this. Victor Hovland, and, and this is the same way I felt, and we've been talking about this for weeks about Bryson DeChambeau, that it's coming. Uh, it's coming for this kid. It's unbelievable. Another week last week where he led the field in strokes gained tee to green and then lost three and a half shots putt. Like it's coming. The kid is so good. He played, he played so bad on Sunday and still finishes T12 in an event that what 20 whatever under wins. Like, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed with him. I just feel like it's coming. Yeah, I love the kid too. 
Bryson is to, to me on a different tier than sure, Hovland at this point because he was still putting great. Bryson was putting great. It's yeah. not like uh, it, it just it wasn't all coming together for him in in the way that it has to sometimes to win. Where he didn't make any mistake. There, there's a glaring weakness with Hovland right now, and it's putting. And you know, could he get hot for a week? Absolutely. Is this the kind of venue where he's more likely to get hot? I don't know, but it could be a hard, it could be more difficult. If the course play is really difficult and scores don't get crazy, crazy low, a player who's really good tee to green and may struggle with putting could do really well. But we have seen winners like Hideki Matsuyama has won and was struggling on the greens. When Justin Rose won back in 2010, I believe it was, he was not a great putter at that point either. So there have been cases and instances where great ball strikers, not great putters have won here. And usually that happens because it's a little more on the challenging side. Uh, so I don't know if Hovland's as close as Bryson was last no. week. I, I completely agree I with that. Agree but that's, with I, I, I have like that same sentiment, right? Where it's just yeah. like, it's a matter of time, not like, Oh my God, Bryson's could win every event for the next 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> but it right. just, it just feels like that Hovland is doing everything right. Is, is kind of the same Sentiment. So here's a question. I feel like I ask this every week with Justin Rose and Victor Hovland here. I feel quite good about both of them, especially Justin Rose. I, he's like a guy that I'm confident having as my anchor. I could play, I could start a lineup with Justin Rose and feel great about it and, and leave out Xander and Hideki and Cantlay and Rom and Thomas. I mean, it's probably hard to do, but Justin Rose to me is in that caliber of player where he's like in, he's an ace in your lineup. Don't you yeah. think? I, I will say this. I would feel much more comfortable this week fading the $10,000 guys, because as we kind of alluded to, a lot of them have question marks last yeah. week, last week, there was no question mark with Brooks. There was no question mark with Webb Simpson. He was literally coming off of a win. Like there, there weren't any question marks at the top where you were like, yeah. oh, I might have to go get Hovland didn't have it or not Hovland. Uh, Hatton was up there. He yeah. didn't have any question marks. Everybody was like, holy crap. They're all play we couldn't, we couldn't decide which one to play because they were all so good this week where it's harder to decide who to play because they all have question marks. So I, I would, I would with the way this is, feel more comfortable starting like yeah rose hovland or something like that yeah hovland may be a little down there you could probably get one of the 10k guys and hovland on a pretty solid lineup but rose yeah. to me just he's an he's an ace and if you can get him at this discount is he gonna miss two cuts in a row no way this is this is a good justin rose week so i guess he's probably my top play in this group but i like all four of them all right, we're going to jump into the 8,000 range. I think that's a very interesting tier, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts 
Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back. Uh, $8,000 range, Greg. Uh, I won't list them all off, but essentially starts with guys like Sung J.M., Patrick Reed, Mark Leishman. Goes down to Matthew Wolf, runner-up last week. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Bubba Watson to round out the $8,000. Um, this is always seemingly a combination of guys that are lo- like guys that have lo- better pedigrees but aren't playing well, Jordan Spieth, Bubba Watson, for example, or guys that like jump up from recent success, Matthew Wolf, Adam Hadwin, right? This is always a, com- a-, a tier where you're trying to figure out which one you want. You always have a question mark. Sung J.M., okay, well, he's a great player, hasn't played well since the layoff. Great iron player, his game you would expect to fit Muirfield Village perfectly but he hasn't been playing well. Is there something wrong? So there's some kind of major question marks in this range. And it, I don't feel warm and fuzzy about anybody. I guess the one guy that I look to is Matt Kuchar. He has a pretty steady course history here. Um, and it, it doesn't exactly fit the mold of the player you would expect to play well here. Like I'm looking for great iron players and, and longer hitters at this venue. Longer hitters generally will do better here. But in every leaderboard, you're going to have the Ryan Armour type play. You're going to have the guy that doesn't fit the mold at a course who does really well. And Matt Kuchar, I'm not comparing Kuchar to Ryan Armour in any way. I'm just saying he's not like if there, there's going to be a guy up there who's not a bomber who does really well this week. And I think it could be Kuchar. He's, he's a veteran. He understands the golf course, understands how to play. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he popped off. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like Hadwin last week was maybe kind of the one week pop for him. Yeah. And I don't know if that carries into this venue, although he is pretty good with his irons. I, and I, I have liked Hadwin Wolf. I haven't seen consistency from when he's had success. It, it's usually been, I mean, like a, a crazy bar graph or, or line graph of his success. It's been <laughs> yeah. peaks and valleys for sure. So I don't feel great about Wolf. Uh, and he's probably priced up from that week. So this is a, I mean, Watson and Fitzpatrick, I don't have any confidence in this week. So maybe this could be a Bubba course. I, I don't feel great about this group. Yeah. You're, you're definitely buying high on Matthew Wolf at this point. If you want to, if you want to go get him at 8,100 um, to, to back up your Kucher point, he has 12 starts here at, at Muirfield village, a win, and uh, and ten other top twenty sixes. He's yeah. like a, he's been a, tw- a top twenty five machine. I think he missed the cut like last year. But other than that, it is literally unbelievable record. Um, I understand what I'm getting myself into with Mark Leishman, but he he's that guy that has upside, hits his irons well. Here's the guy that I think is going to be the most compelling, and I think we're gonna have to make a lot of decisions on him. Is it's it's Gary Woodland at eighty three hundred. Uh, Gary Woodland is $8,300. I can go look at the last time he was this low, but this is a really low price. Now he missed the cut at the travelers. Didn't look all that well at RBC. This 
I'm not optimistic. I, I, I'm, I'll tell you why in a second, Greg. I'm not optimistic on Gary Woodland, but this should be a Woodland fit. How do you feel about him? Well, he's got plenty of length. Um, he's great tee to green. He hits a ton of greens in regulation. And small green golf courses, he tends to do pretty well at. Um, now, this, this is kind of, I'm going to throw another question back to you on this. Recent, like your recent plays, your recent fades. For me, for instance, I really liked Gary Woodland at the RBC Heritage. I thought he was going to have a great week. I thought it was a perfect golf course for him. Uh, and he kind of let me down. How much do you let that affect your decision? Because part of me wants to say, well, don't let who you picked last week influence who you're going to pick this week. Well, I picked Bryson the week before. I can't pick Bryson four weeks in a row. So I'm going to fade Bryson and then he wins and you feel like a, you feel like an idiot. It, do you weigh that into your decision making at all? So I think I am better than most at completely removing myself from like any recency bias. Like I, I get a lot of tweets all the time that are like, Oh, Scotty Scheffler burned me. I'm never playing him again. And I'm like, yeah. well, Scotty Scheffler like might be a good play next week. Like who knows? You know what I mean? Like I, I can kind of remove myself from that. Um, and, and I, I generally actually probably stay on guys too long. Like Lonto Griffin is like the perfect example for me where I'm like, well, I like Lonto again. I'm going to run it back out there. I'm going to run it back out just because like I, if I saw something last week, it's probably going to be something similar this week. You know what I mean? Like not that much changes week over week. Okay. Gary Woodland has a bad week, but if I liked him a week ago, or I liked him two weeks ago. I should probably like him moving forward at least for a bit. Right. Yeah. So I guess for the, in that sense, I like him, but he hasn't been doing the things that I like. There's a reason why I liked him, but he hasn't really been doing those things. So does that make me like him a little bit less? I don't know. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm like lukewarm on Gary Woodland. I feel like I'm too biased when I make a decision on him this week, either way. Here's my issue with Gary Woodland. And this is the red flag to me that I'm, that I'm very concerned about his last, let me get this right. 11 rounds on tour. So that's, uh, I will just do 10 because that would be since the restart, he's lost like nine strokes off the tee which for Gary Woodland to lose nine strokes off the tee in like any stretch, that's basically like how much he lost combined in the last five years. If you put all of his losses together, like it's unheard of. This guy's a prolific off the tee player for him to have even a stretch of two and a half tournaments where, I mean, this is like the outlier in the database. It, this is so bad for him right now. And when I see something that bad, I'm, I'm concerned something is off and he's going to have to like fix it. So that, that to me is a, a big red flag. Yeah. It, yeah. It goes back to kind of what took away some of his advantages. He's a player who likes to lay back off the tee. He's not afraid to, although he has really high club head speed, he's not kind of like, he doesn't have the bomber mentality of get super aggressive off the tee. So if he's missing fairways and clubbing back, he's sacrificing some of his own distance uh, and and losing strokes because he's not a, as accurate, which typically he's either going to be long enough to gain or accurate enough to gain if he clubs down. So it's definitely a concern. And it goes back to what the reason I like him is his ability to tack the golf course. And you're not seeing that because of that off the tee play. So I'm with you on that. I, I can definitely get around a Gary Woodland. Um, I guess there's one other guy in this range who I really like who I had clicked on my, on my sheet here. So he wasn't there when we first went through it. Um, and it's Joaquin Neiman. 
Joaquin Neiman, I mean, this seems like a, a, a great venue for him. He's got a nice history here, which yeah. I have um, I, I have him. Yeah, here we go. He's tied six in 2018, tied 27th last year. Last year wasn't a great year for him as it is, but, you know, he's 20th strokes gain approach to green. He hits over 71% of his greens of regulation at 20th. So, you know, he's a pretty good iron player. Um, he's 34th in scoring average. The guy's been playing great. You think this is a good fit for him? I, I, I do like him here because, and we talk about this a lot. There's only so many guys that actually have winning upside. Neiman's one of them. Neiman yeah. is one of them. Like he could win a golf tournament. Yep. Uh, he, he's, he's done it this year. He put a scare in web at RBC for a hot minute, flying up the leaderboard on, on the weekend. Like I, I, I like him in general. And then you look at, yeah, the two good results here. Yes, this is this this feels very natural. This is the type of guy that I would roster. How about this before we move on? You have to play one of Patrick Reed or Jordan Spieth. Who is it going to be? <laughs> I can't believe you're doing that to me. I, I'm gonna go. I'll go Patrick Reed. I'll go. I, I feel like the issues for Patrick Reed are less deep. These issues that Jordan Spieth has been experiencing to me are the same issues he's been experiencing since 2016. True. Um, and he figured out a way to win a major during that stretch, but it's the same issue and it's in there and it's in there deep and it's going to take a lot to get out of it. Patrick Reed, uh, he's another one of those guys that don't feel great about him this week, but massive win equity. And you yeah. can't say the golf course is too big. He won, the, he won the Masters, right? He won at a very similar kind of golf course to this. So, yeah, I, Patrick Reed all day with that. Uh, he could pop off at any minute and get a win. Yeah, I think that's right. Seven, where are we at? $7,000 range. Uh, there's actually a couple guys in here, uh, including Phil Mickelson. This one's for you, work day. Uh, we've got Louis Oosthuizen. We've got Benny on. Jason Day is here. It's a big, big range. It goes all the way down to seven thousands, which are Troy Merritt, Sepp Straka, Kyle Stanley. What do you think about this seven thousand dollar range, Greg? There's a lot of different kind of <laughs> angles you can go here. Louis is a guy I'm not extremely confident about playing. Um, it. it could definitely be a good week for him. Uh, it, it could be a Louis week for sure, but he's one of those guys. I don't, I don't know. You're going to get a hundred percent. I love the golf swing. I love the attitude. I, I love him as a player, but some, sometimes these guys that are really cool, they, it goes the wrong way and they can, I'm taking the weekend off kind of a yeah. thing where like, you're never going to get that out of Jordan speed. He's going to grind and it, it, like he will grind just as hard for, 76 to set, getting in at 75 instead of 76 as 66 to 65. So you have no issues with him about that. When, when I look at this range, the, the big circle that I have a lot of question marks, I feel like I'm getting a great value is Scotty Scheffler. I've, I feel like we got to go back to the well. I know he's burned you. You mentioned him earlier, right? He burned you. I'm never going back to him again. This seems like, he seems like a great play and he shot 79 last week and then 65. <laughs> can, can, can I tell you that I, I love this. I I'm, I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment. Let's go back to him. Let's go back to him. Now I will say that devil's advocate to my, my own point here. 
you know, in, in, in the NFL, there'll be that team at the end of the year that's out of the playoff contention. They win five games in a row to end the year. And the next year, they're the favorite, right? The, yeah. Like the San Francisco 49ers, the yeah. year they get Garoppolo. Oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl the next year, and they miss the playoffs. The Jets going into this year, my, my New York Jets. It's a different ball game once there's no pressure on you. We've missed the playoffs already. We're going to try some things. We'll open it up. We'll loosen it up. We'll see what we have success. Well, that that's completely different when, okay, we're in the playoff hunt. And we have to contend here. Yeah. So with Scotty Scheffler, okay, I shot 79 yesterday. I'm not going to make the cut. <laughs> Cut's going to get to five on. I'm, I'm not making the cut. So is that 65? Uh, is that a little bit of a tease? Or was the 79 just like this crazy, bad, unexpected round? So I would argue, and this is kind of weird, that his Thursday round was so bad that I don't care about it. Like, you know what I mean? It's weird. It's weird that it was, he lost six strokes on approach. It was twice as bad as his worst round ever. So I'm like, ugh, it's so bad. He could not have possibly, he cannot possibly do that again. Now he comes out on Friday. And, and puts up the the perfect statistical profile that I would like to see. His Friday rounds, and again, yeah, nothing to play for. He's just going out there free and easy, not worried about the weekend. Leads the field in strokes gained off the tee on Friday. Uh, third in strokes gained tee to green on Friday. Like, I, I don't know. I, that's all what we want to see. I'm willing to give it one more crack at Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm there with you. Right, Ten, for the year... He, I mean, he's hitting at 311 off the tee. He's plenty long. He's a, a fine, I mean, he nearly 70% of his greens. He's 61st strokes gain approach the green. And you love this about Scotty. He makes a ton of birdies, ton right? Of birdies. I mean, ninth in birdie average on the year. So I, I got to think that was this start is going to end like this, this three streak. I'm sorry, I'm I'm chewing on my words here, but the Charles Schwab Challenge tied 55th. Travelers misses the cut. Rocket Mortgage, we just talked about, 79.65. I got to feel like that's going to come to an end. And I think this is the kind of golf course where Scotty Scheffler can really play. So, and I love taking a risk in this price range. This is like a perfect risky kind of area to me. Yeah, it's not like he's ninety three hundred dollars and he has to be has to be your guy. Um, right. Kevin Streelman's here, seventy eight hundred. Kevin Streelman, last time we saw him, second place finish at the Travelers, finished fourth at the Memorial last year, and in fact, that fourth place finish last year was his fourth top eighteen finish at the Memorial in the last five years. He's just been near the top of the leaderboard uh, almost every single year. And then the other one is kind of interesting that I've been circling is Cam Champ. So uh, I had him too. You like him? Go ahead. What do you like about yeah. Cam Champ? Well, he's extremely long and we know how talented he is. You listen to the announcers, you listen to the people who are really involved in the game, the people who are out there on the range watching. They talk about not only his length, but they talk about his touch around the greens, his touch with wedges, his his putting stroke. Like he has a very well-rounded game and we have just we haven't seen it come together for a consistent span we haven't seen it come together for uh, a long period of time maybe it's injury maybe it's immaturity maybe it's just pure youth but i feel there's a ton of talent here and i feel like we're going to start to see camp champ perform at a more consistent level uh and i don't know maybe maybe bryson dechambeau is kind of a little motivating for him i mean yeah. I, I don't know what it is there but there's something okay 
at this length, I can still play golf courses that aren't necessarily bombers golf courses. Like I, my length is an advantage everywhere I go and that can boost your confidence a little bit. So I, I feel like camp champ is on the upswing and he's still not quite priced for it. So I'm with you. I, I love it. So you called him well-rounded, which would have been something that would have been insane to say a couple of years ago, but it's absolutely true. So yeah. there, there was a time where his off the tee, he was like first in strokes gained off the tee and was terrible in every other category. And he literally needed to gain like two strokes off the tee every single round to even compete. And if he was just kind of okay with the driver, he, he cut it's not like that anymore. He's still, um, you know, he's a, he's a basically a dead neutral putter, which is great. He loses a little bit around the greens. He's a little bit on the positive side on approach. Like that's, that's a good sign for a guy who seems like he's improving. And then the only two times we've seen him in the restart two fit, two top 15 finishes. Like I, there's something about him. And then you throw in the fact that he goes out on Sunday and what posts one of the lowest rounds of the day. I think he shot, 60, 66 I think. 66 yeah because Bryson shot a 65 I think so yeah I think he shot 66 yeah 66. And, and he has such a clear advantage it, it's yeah. going to be an advantage on this golf course he's going to feel like he can kind of air it out a little bit in many places and uh, I'm with you he really stuck out to me he jumped out to me big time and I don't feel like I have to be, I don't feel like I'm late on him where I got to pay this crazy amount because he had these two good weeks. It's like, he's kind of right in the middle there where he's, I'm still feel like I'm getting a deal and there's a lot of upside. And what is the last thing on champ before we move on, but what's really interesting is he was not even available on DraftKings on the main slate last week because he got in Wednesday night. So there was actually no like price to compare him against. So if he was 7,700 last week and played as well as he did, he would probably would have been 8,200. But now they like don't have a reference to price him off of and they drop him in at 77 and it feels like a pretty good deal. Yeah, so I'm all in. He's like a very easy play for me. There's one other guy in this Yeah, range. I was going to say, who else in this range should we talk about? Corey Connors. I mean, he just, I have question marks about him. So I want to definitely get some thoughts from you on this, but I, I look at Corey Connors and first of all, you think about his DNA as a player, right? And it's, it's all about uh, ball striking. It's all about tee to green play. And he's a guy who's uh, 15th in strokes gain off the tee, 19th strokes gain approach, second in greens regulation on the PGA tour. <laughs> it's 74 percent of his greens so that look that's an overrated statistic it doesn't necessarily lead to success but when you see high greens of regulation and high strokes gain approach it's it's a good sign especially on a golf course like this so i i really like the makeup from him i like his recent history i guess uh, charles schwab challenge tied 19th rbc heritage tied 21st although he did miss the cut at the travelers but like he shot 73 in round one and then 66 in round two, kind of another Scotty Scheffler situation where maybe it's uh, a, a little bit misleading. So there's a lot to like about Corey Connors. And I, I feel like his game should suit this place pretty well. You will never get a disagreement from me. If you want to play a guy who is hashtag team, no putt, right? Like, like if you want to, if you want to get a guy who is, great ball striking and can't putt. I'm convinced I, there, it's just proven over and over again. 
those are the guys you would want to target. They will be incredibly frustrating to watch and follow on shot tracker or whatever, because when you see he stuffs one to four and a half feet and you're sitting there going, Oh God, now he's got to hit a four and a half. <laughs> like this is terrible. And then you got to sweat that out for like six or seven minutes. It's brutal. But um, no, you will never get an objection from any of like him, Ben on, you know, all even Keegan Bradley to an extent, like all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, Ben On's the big one in that. Lucas Glover's one. another guy in that in that group. Yeah, Emiliano um, Grios in that group. It's yeah. just like guys that are literally. I mean, Grios like the third worst putter on tour and like the second best ball striker. It's something completely ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I always look for with those guys. I look for their finishes to be good leading into a tournament more yeah. so than the putting statistics. Like, are they shooting good scores? that's a sign that the putting is a little bit better. Like they're not losing all their confidence with bad putting and they're, they're it's more likely they could have a good putting week when those guys are finishing 51st and 42nd and there's just no mojo. Then I'm a little more hesitant than you, but I, I look at Corey Connors. I think he's, I, I just have this feeling that it's going to be a good week for him. Okay. I hope so. I like the guy. Um, $6,000 range. So we start with the likes of Jim Furyk, Von Taylor, Pat Perez. We go all the way down. Who's the men this week? Anybody? VJ, Michael Kim, Martin Trainer, KJ Choi. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of guys at the men. A lot of, there's so many names in this field because it is the big boy field. The big one. Yeah. Um, who in this range stands out in a positive way? Uh, well, Michael Thompson to me stands out. Could he have okay. another good week? He, he jumps off, uh, Tom Hoagie jumps off the page to me because he's been a really nice iron player earlier in the year. Um, so they kind of have a makeup that does well for me. Michael Thompson has had some recent success, which definitely benefits me. It makes me, you know, um, favor him in that light. This is a hard range for me. It's I mean, I, I guess the other guy would be Dylan Fertilli. Who sticks out to me? Oh, he's back. This is this, this is going to be the first time back since uh, he tested positive, right? Yeah. So he is back, uh, and he played the last round. He played. He shot sixty-two. So. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, he like posted the clubhouse lead and then said he was going to go drink some cold ones because he doesn't think the number's going to hold or something. That's right, and it didn't. It almost <laughs> did, but it didn't. Uh, so yeah, it, very interesting to me. But going down below him. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Is Fertilli way underpriced? The more I think about that, I'm like, I, like, I, I oh, liked him. He man. stuck out to me, but there are probably a few guys here. So, like, you've got some guys that, like, a Brandon Wu, who are, are more kind of corn fairy tour guys. You have some guys at the end of their, at the end of their primes. Obviously, VJ Singh is here. You got guys that are hanging on to, you know, two year exemptions and not playing very well. So this is, I do think that there are guys that are mispriced because they're still, they're still competitive PGA tour players, which is how I would describe Dylan Fratelli, who is a competitive yeah. PGA tour player. Um, so I do think he's underpriced. There was another one. I thought, who was I just looking for? Maybe it was Fratelli. I, I like that one. And then I also circled um, Henrik Norlander, who's 6,500. Oh. He's playing well. Uh, 41st at the travelers 12th last week at the rocket mortgage. Uh, I like the way his game is trending. And then I had, oh, Sung Yul No, who is now back from, uh, it's been a couple of months now, but back from his mandated military service in 
uh, in South Korea. And he posts an 11th at the Travelers. And he played, I think he played better than his scores indicate at the Rocket Mortgage. Um, his swing is still so sweet. His, his swing yeah. still looks so good. It is really needs, good. He just needs reps, man. I mean, the guy's been out of the game for so long. He just needs reps. Yeah, which gives me, you know, do you really... It, it's not a must play. Like no. I feel like you can probably wait and see with him for a little bit. I don't know if you have to go ahead and buy early on him. I, I don't, so I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it definitely brings up questions, but I agree with you. Norlander definitely made me raise my eyebrows. Like why, why is he priced below uh, Nate Lashley and Matt Jones and yes. Bryce Garnett? And like, where, I, what do they know that I don't? It raised question marks. The other guy in this in that same range at sixty five hundred that I was very curious to get your thoughts about is Aaron Wise. Mm. I don't know. There's no sign of okay, this guy's going to win this week, but I feel like he has the potential to win this week. He he's like one of those guys to me that can just pop off at any minute and get a win. He's uber talented. I mean, all the all the coaches. If you hear anybody talk about this kid, it's it's great. But he hasn't really shown much consistency on on tour since his win uh, at the AT and T Byron Nelson a couple of years ago. Do you have any any takes on Aaron Wise? Is there a point where we're going to say he's a great play? I, I I'm not sure. I'm not personally there yet. Like I get it. I like the talent. I, I really do. But I I think there's so many of these guys, unfortunately, that. They pop off, they get a win, and like the golf is hard. The PGA Tour is over. We're seeing that with Martin Martin Trainer right now. We're seeing that with a lot of guys who are just at kind of at the end of their two year exemption, trying to figure this out. What I did think was interesting though is you you kind of mentioned like how is this person you know less expensive than so and so, which I think is a really good strategy to take, especially down here in the sub seven thousand dollar range where there is such a mix of different types of players that you can find just comparing them to their peers feels like it goes a long way. I, I, I really like the idea of being like, oh, well, he shouldn't be priced here or he should be above so-and-so. I think that's yeah. a, good, a good route to take down here. Well, we're, before the layoff, we talked about this all the time. Like, what are you going to, when you're down here taking these risks, you're in the area where you don't really know, the, you're not as familiar with these players. Yeah. What are you going to hang your hat on? <laughs> You're, you know, right. Henrik Norlander. Well, he's way below these other guys that have nothing going for them from a fantasy perspective. And yet he came in tied 12th last week and he's trending in the right direction. And I feel like he's down here because nobody knows his name. And it, it's like, well, he, there's definitely something there. There's the, the, he's playing well, the guy's playing well. So that's something to hang your hat on. And I think there's a huge advantage in doing that. If you can get your, if you're not afraid to go with names you don't know, but you can do a little research and find something, find a hook, find something that can lead you to the place where you say, okay, he can win. Like Aaron Wise, for instance. Uh, well, he, he can hit it a long way. He hits it over 300 yards, right? He hits uh, 72% of his greens of regulation. So I know he's got something there with his irons strokes gain numbers are weak but they're positive so maybe the guy tita green can really get something going he was a great putter when he won uh and he's got a nice putting stroke it's not going well this year for him but maybe that can pop this week and we can see him finish tied third like he did at bermuda so 
maybe you can reason your way through something, but don't just throw a dart at the board and pick someone random down here, right? I would certainly agree that it's not a good strategy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I, I think this is this is an interesting week. And then I also think next week is going to be incredibly interesting because we're going to say, oh, oh, he won. We're not going to say he, he won last year. We're going to say, oh, he won here last week. He won here like yeah. two days ago, one day ago, yesterday. It's going to be fun. So strange. I, I like this week, it feels like we're prepping for Memorial. Right. Next week is going to be a, comp- yeah. we're going to have so much. So there's so many factors that are going to cloud your judgment who played last. Oh, well, he didn't play last week. He did play last week. He, uh, th- this is a, a bizarre year and I'm excited to try to break it down. I'm excited to get some picks. We've been saying all year, embrace the volatility. We'll embrace right. the weirdness uh, of, of the next couple of weeks. Here's your reminder that golf will be back on the airwaves this weekend on CBS. Also, we're going to have another preview podcast coming your way with the whole gang. We'll go through matchups. We'll do some outrights, maybe a little prop action sprinkled in there as well. And still rolling with the daily recaps after every round. Those have been fun, Greg, and uh, I think they're pretty well received. They have been fun. It's nice to kind of take a minute. We do this thing on uh, on Tuesdays, discuss you know who we like. We have a preview show that comes out. We kind of get to like unpack all the things that we thought were going to happen. What yeah. what changed? What questions were answered? So I, I really enjoy those post rounders as well. There, if we only did things after the tournament was over, I feel like a lot of the good stuff gets missed, right? I mean, there's always a great story from a guy who jumps out to a first round lead or Phil holding the 36 hole lead. And we get those great, you know, reactions, right. You know, if we went afterwards, we might not have talked that much about Phil. Like it's right. It gets, it really gets into the nitty gritty. Yeah. You can, well, you can break down each week, right? You break down each round storylines yeah. come out all the time and it gives you, you know, you really get, it's, it's a little more, uh, wholesome right we get through the entire tournament all the details and these are great tournaments so they definitely deserve that kind of coverage i love it i love it all right that is greg ducharme greg thanks for joining me as always you can find him on twitter at the real gfd you can find me on twitter at rick run good this has been the first cut we'll catch you next time Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.